0: New Year's Day 2017, 2016's finally gone. No more celebrities to die. I'll tell you what, I've seen stuff on social media this week about so many people saying, I'm going to be so glad when 2016 is gone. Uh, We're all ready for uh, a fresh start. And um, today I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, encouragement. And, you know, this is a day where you're starting out fresh it's like uh opening day of baseball season nobody's lost anything yet um first day of a new year um look forward i know one of the most encouraging things i've seen in the room so far is that shirt that uh, dennis clements got on it it makes me think spring is on the way i don't know if you feel like that outside or not but it, it makes me think it's coming um, I saw something on social media earlier this week uh, that talked about the importance of personal touch and, you know, personal contact with people. And it said um, if you ask somebody to name the last three Nobel Prize winners without using Google or without asking Alexa, you know, who could name the last three Nobel Prize winners or who won the Pulitzer Prize or even who were the last three um, most valuable players in Major League Baseball. Without looking it up, could you name three of them? But if I ask you to name the three people in your life that you know you could call or that had been in touch with you during the year when you needed help, when you were sick, um, those three people would be pretty easy for us to name because of that personal touch. It's, It's so, so important. Scott's going to be talking uh, today about building people. And there's, um, there's a lot of scripture about encouragement for each other. Um, it's, it's what we're directed to do. Um, the question becomes, how effective are we doing it? Um, I was thinking about how it works um, today it's it's almost impossible to get a surprise phone call from anybody because whenever your phone rings the name lights up on your phone so it's it, it's hard for people to not know who it is when they're calling but sometimes it's an encouragement when you flip that phone open and you see you know somebody that you haven't talked to for a while that's uh that's actually reaching out um emails text messages um one of the key things Guys, I think is consistency. Um, it's it's great when you randomly reach out to someone. It's it's always very encouraging, but I can tell you that it's building. It's not just that momentary encouragement, but it's actually building to someone. If you will take the time to to literally invest consistently, um, text messages are are a great way to encourage people to build people up. But the thing is. There, there may not be in a text message. You don't get, um, you don't get emotion. It's just letters on a page, and you can't really tell what's there. But the thing is, you know, when encouragement comes consistently through a text message, when it's something that you can look forward to every day, because you know you got a friend that's going to send you scripture or. Um, just any other kind of personal encouragement, it's, it, it's something that's good. It's a building. Um, this morning I was sitting up on the back row, and I can tell you I had a friend of mine come up and, and sit down next to me and, uh, you know, kind of give me a pat on the back and the, the little good game pat on the butt and say, you know, I've, I've heard some stuff happen to you and way to go, good deal. And that stuff is lifting up. And, guys, that's something that Gateway has always been about is the personal touch of one to the other to make sure that the people around us know, I'm here for you. If you need me, give me a call. That stuff is so important. Um, It's just something that we need to be about, and that's a message that Scott's going to deliver to us today about the way God works or has worked to... um, build us up and and develop us to be ready to build up each other
1: morning everyone the uh man that's it's weird to sit there in silence isn't it watching a, watching something on the screen and not hearing any noise it almost makes you uncomfortable it's weird um but that the whole point of that bumper video to start out was that we're in a series this month called i'm in and um And you know, obviously, we saw a lot of things that were quickly, you know, like let's go to Vegas, let's go to the beach. I'm in, I'm in, no hesitation. I'm in. Let's go. Um, And uh, so, you know, there's things that that in life when we look at when we go, I'm in. It means that you're 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 willing to jump in, you're willing to like immerse yourself in it, and let's go, let's go. I want to be a part of it. That's that's ultimately what I'm in is. Is that I want to be a part of that? I want to be a part of that, and that's this month. That's what we're talking about. Um, you know, from the very beginning. And I, I know a lot of you. How many? How many of you made it to midnight last night? Anyone? Anyone? You. You guys are awesome. We celebrated at ten. We tried to figure out what time zone that was. It's somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. But we uh, and my wife like got out the sparkling grape juice and and uh, came running around and and was like happy new year at 10 o'clock. And and she came up and kissed me and which mortified my six-year-old and my six-year-old got all dramatic about it. But I mean, it was, so we celebrated at 10. But the truth is, I I don't know that I've made it. My wife, you know, started adjusting for me because I don't know that I've made it to midnight on New Year's Eve for the last several years. Um, Somehow it got to be anticlimactic. So I enjoy the celebrating it in other time zones. It's good. It's good, right? But, um, we, you know, we were talking about last night about goals or resolutions or stuff that, you know, did you make any goals? Did you make any resolutions, anyone? You did? Not very many, not very many. Mine used to be I resolved not to make resolutions because um, I don't want to fail at something else. But um, we talked about last night, you know, just things that, you know, we're we're trying to Trying to do this year, things that we want to, goals for this year, and some of them were about you know I want to I want to save money, I want to do this, I want to do that, and and so those are all worthy goals. Losing weight, you know, my my wife said you know I you got some belly fat you need to lose. She didn't really say that, maybe no, she didn't, <laughs> she didn't, but. Um, but we have all these things that we look at our life and we go, oh man, you know, I, I, that, that, that's a good goal. I need to lose some weight. My brother-in-law said he needed to lose some weight and, uh, and, and you know, so it's a good goal. But there's, there's some things that are better than that. Our vision for this church, um, our vision statement of this church is know Christ, make him known, enjoy the journey. Now every single one of you in here, here's my challenge, make that your goal. Make that the thing you resolve to do. You know, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Make that your goal. Make it your goal. Make it your resolve, your intentional activity to know Christ, to make him known, and to enjoy the journey. All three of those things are so valuable and so important, and like what the Bible says is that if we do those things, everything else is going to fall into place. Everything else. So make that your aim for 2017. And so some of that is, um, and we're going to talk about this month about how you can do some of that, how you can make that. Um, possible in your life, and this week we're going to be talking about building people. Building people is at the top of the line here. Building people has been at the heart of Gateway from the very beginning. Um, I remember, you know, this church has been in existence for almost 15 years now, and I remember sitting out there as part of the leadership team. We were, we had a, a you know, a, a team of people that went out and had looked for property because we were outgrowing this place at one point, and and so we were like. Man, if you look ahead, we got to go do something. And so we went out to this property, and we sat out there, and, and clear as day, at that, at that given point in time, God just told us to go build people. You know, go, go, go pour your time and effort into go build people. And so that's what we did, and, that, and so that's, building people has always been a part of our rhetoric. It's always been a part of our language, because it's what God asked us to be about. It's what he asked this church to be about. It's what he asked you to be about. Go build people. Um... And, and there's so much to that, and we're going to, try to, um, we're going to try to talk about that today. Now, one of the things right out of the gate that I want to talk about is that I don't want this to become another thing. I don't know if you're like me, but I sit here, I'm a person who evaluates myself all the time, I look at my life, and, I, and it really weighs me down. I, I already weigh quite a bit. But when I sit here and I pile on all these things that I'm falling short on or whatever, I, it's like paralyzing. I can't handle one more thing that I'm not getting done or one more thing that I'm failing at. That's why I said I don't even like making resolutions because it's just setting myself up to failure. And so I don't, I don't know if you're like me. I don't, want, I don't want that. And I don't want this to be that, okay? This building people, the stuff we talk about today, I don't want any of that to be the case for you, okay? I want you to look at this, and I want you to go, God's doing something in my life, and and I'm going to let him do it, okay? I'm going to let him do that. How many of you watch Fixer Upper? Anyone? Fixer Upper? Chip and Joanna Gaines? Okay, my wife got me hooked on this show, and now my two-year-old, his go-to is dad. It's not Mickey. It's not any cartoons. Dad, can we watch Upper? Fixer Upper? Fixer Upper? Sure, buddy. And he knows how to turn it on on the remote. How does a two-year-old know how to turn on fixer-upper on the remote control? But anyway, fixer-upper, basically Chip and Joanna Gaines, little-known fact, Megan Truax, Megan Truax was Chip and Joanna Gaines' first employee. <whistles> Autographs later, she's a big deal, big deal. She knows famous people, right? She was there for one of their first employees, Okay. Chip and Joanna Gaines, and and if you haven't seen the show, what they do is they basically, it's like I hear this tape in my head. I mean, shiplap and you know hardwood floors, French doors. I hear all these things that she says all the time. But um, but in the show, basically, what they do is they go in these neighborhoods and they take the house that's like been abused, torn down, broken down, whatever. They take that house and they. They have a vision for it, and they, you know, these people pick this house, and, and they make it over. They fix it up. It's a fixer-upper. And so they, they do this. And, and the thing about the show that's so awesome is, you know, and I, I love Demo Day. I'm, I'm Chip. I'm Chip Gaines, man. I, I love tearing stuff up. And, um, and so that is my deal. Like, Chip, if you've watched the show, like he'll run headfirst into a wall, sheetrock wall, and knock it over and take the hammer and just start beating stuff up and whatever. And that is more my kind of deal. I am skilled at demolishing. It is I'm good at it. I'm built for demo. OK? Now, the problem I have is I don't have the Joanna stuff where I go, I can see how we're going to rebuild some of this. I, I kind of have some glimpses, and then I'm like, "Oh, geez. I need help. I need help. My dad used to tell me because I, you know, doing what I do here, um, you know, years ago, I used to just like tear into things and tear into people and whatever. And my dad told me, you know, any donkey can kick down a barn. It takes a real craftsman to build one. Okay, I clean that up for everybody. That's good. Um, <laughs> any donkey can kick down a barn takes a real craftsman to build one and see that's where I that's where I struggle sometimes is I'm good at the kicking it down but it's the building back up that's that's tough and so that's where we are today I don't know about you but I think some of you are probably like me you've done a real good job of kicking it down you've done a real good job of breaking down your life messing it up I think that's most of us okay And it says in the Bible that Jesus is the cornerstone, and it means that he is the foundation for this fixer-upper called your life. He is. So that's why if you make that your aim and your goal, he's going to build you up into something that you could never imagine. that's the beauty of that show, is that at the end you look at it and you go, I cannot believe how awesome that turned out. And that is ultimately where we're going today, is if you let God have his way with your torn down mess, you're going to go at the end and go, I cannot believe, I never would have imagined it looking like that. That's where we're at today. So this is not heavy, this is not me beating you up, this is not any of that, okay? Um, There's a story, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and there's a story about this woman, and uh... She, uh, it was late at night, this woman's walking down the street, and a robber comes up and attacks her, and basically goes to rob her, and, and, and she makes quite a ruckus. She fights back and makes quite a ruckus, and, and um, she makes enough noise that the people in the apartment complexes around hear it. And, and so there's, they're stirring, and they turn the lights on in these apartments, and people are moving around, looking around, going, what's going on? What's going on? And uh, and so the robber gets spooked because he's like, oh, no, I, I'm going to get caught. So he takes off. and uh, and But see, then the robber is taking off, and then he realizes nobody came. Nobody came. So he went back and killed her. And it's a terrible story. And I'm sure, like you, when I heard that story, I was like, I cannot believe that those people in that apartment heard all that, heard that woman getting abused and did not come. And there was a, there was a big write up about it going, what how in the world could people do that? How could you hear and see all of this happening and not do something about it? But the deal was is that the people didn't come cuz they didn't want to get involved. They didn't want to get in the mess they didn't want to take the risk. And so what then happened is, because no one came, the robber came back and killed her. It's a terrible story, terrible story. And I don't know about you, but I'm like, man, if I was in that apartment, I'd have been, I'd have been down there. There's no way I would have stood back. Ultimately, that story is a picture of us, and it's a picture of we just came out of Christmas season and we talked about Jesus who, in John 1 on Christmas Eve, we talked about how the Son of God came down. God came down and dwelt among us so that we could know him. But also what happened is God looked down and saw, as it says in the Bible, in John 10, that Satan, the thief, he call, they call him the thief, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And God saw... The thief stealing, killing us, destroying us. And he came down, and he, said he wasn't afraid to get in the mess. He wasn't afraid to get involved. That's the whole meaning and essence of Christmas, is that God came down and became flesh so that we could know him, and he got involved, and he rescued us from that, ultimately. And so the story of Jesus is, is one who didn't sit by... And, and wasn't afraid to get involved. He came down and he, he got involved. He wasn't afraid. There's another story in Scripture about the Good Samaritan. I don't know if you've ever read that, but there's a story about a man, Jesus telling this parable, um, and, and he tells a story about this Good Samaritan, and there was a man that's walking through the town, and he gets robbed, and they steal his clothes, and they beat him, and he's half dead. And, and what happens is the priest walks the street, and uh, sees the man laying there half dead, naked, and abused, and uh, he moves to the other side of the street and walks down the other side. Why? Because he didn't want to get involved. How could a priest not want to get involved? How? 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 Doesn't make sense. Then then another man, a Levite, comes, and a Levite is, again, a person who should have known better. A Levite comes walking down the street and and sees the man half beaten, and he, he walks on the other side how could that be? How could that be? But then there's this good Samaritan that comes down the street, sees the man and walks right over to him, gets in the mess, picks him up, helps him, takes him to a basically a hotel, an inn is what they called it, and, uh, and, and paid for his way to stay and be taken care of in this room. Okay? There's a difference there. You see things that happen and it, there's a difference between the person who walks on the other side and the person that's willing to get involved. And, you know, we can sit here and we can point fingers and go, I can't believe that they would do that, I would never do that, and whatever but the reality is. You're so overstimulated, over-distracted, over everything, that what's happening is you're not seeing it. It's not that you even willfully try to, you know, walk on the other side sometimes. You're not paying attention. Because all you think about or see is right, what, what's right in front of you, what's in your life. You're not paying attention to the other people around you. And so Jesus came and led the way for us. And we see it in story after story. If you got your Bibles, turned to Nehemiah 1. We're going to talk in Nehemiah 1. And part of the reason we're hanging out here is because Nehemiah is a person like you and I, except and he kind of has a roadmap for what, uh, what this building people needs to look like for us. In Nehemiah one, it says the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev in the twentieth year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, and I, let me stop. Nehemiah is a cupbearer. Okay, Nehemiah is a cupbearer to a king. You know, what a cupbearer to a king is it is the person who tastes the food and drinks the wine before the king eats it. Okay, it's got a sweet gig, a sweet gig. Except for the fact that the reason they had that person is because there was fear that someone would try to poison the food or the drink to kill the king. So basically, Nehemiah, every single time, his job was basically to risk his life by taking that drink and eating of the food to make sure that no one's trying to poison the king. But it's a sweet gig in the fact that you get to be and eat, be a part of the palace and eat this food and drink this wine and whatever. It's a sweet gig. Um, and, and so here Nehemiah is, he's, um, sitting in this palace and, and this is where the story picks up is that the Jewish people, his people, they were scattered and they were living in exile and, uh, and their hometown was torn apart. It was in shambles. And, uh, and, and so, what, what's happened is he's got a friend, which is where we're picking up in the story, and he asks about his hometown. Um, it says, Hannah and I, one of my brothers from Judah, came with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, Those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now, so what's happened is Nehemiah asked his friend, what, what, what's going on in our hometown? Because the people that were, had been scattered in exile, they went back to their home place. And you know, try to bring this to modern day, it's kind of like Aleppo. You know, Aleppo is in the news all the time. Why? Because that former town and what it looked like is in shambles. It has been destroyed. It is a wreck, and, and Aleppo has just been ravaged, and it, it would be like all those people that have been fleeing Aleppo and that have left their home and everything that they've known. It would be like year, you know, time had passed, and it was now safe to come home, and they get there, and it's in shambles. All the buildings, all the things that used to be, they're done. They're torn apart. They've been burned down. They've been bombed. They've been blown up. That's kind of what it was like, okay? So these people, when Nehemiah hears this story, he's like, the the wall's been torn down. The gates, I mean, everything, the gates were like markers. They were like monuments of, you know, it's like, oh, the sheep gate, the dung gate, all these different gates. They were like significant mile markers or places in this town. They're gone. They're burned. And so Nehemiah is brokenhearted, and he's and he's, pray, he's crying out, and he's praying. God moved in him, stirred in him. And see, what happened is, it said that Nehemiah sat down and wept, and for some days he mourned, fasted, and prayed. Okay, one of the things I want you to know, the roadmap in this building life, building people, is that the first thing you need to do is you need to stop and pray. You know, I don't know if you run across people that you see that are in trouble, people that are begging for money, people that, are, um, that look like they're in need. The first thing you need to do is pray. It doesn't have to be bow your head, close your eyes, whatever, when I encounter people like that, what I do is I walk up and as I'm walking up to that person I'm praying the whole time, eyes wide open, I'm like God help me know how I'm supposed to respond here. The Holy Spirit. God God gave us this great gift called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is it lives inside of us and it guides and it directs our path. Okay, so basically, what I'm doing is I'm praying. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give me direction about what I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to respond. So every time, because I'm one of those people that used to be like, "Oh golly, I got to help this guy." I mean, I'm God's done so much in my life. Now I got to help this person and I got to help this person. And before long, it's like, I in my effort to try and save every single bleeding heart or every single person, I am, like, dying. So I just, and I realized, you know, so much of the time, and I hear stories here where people are, are using and abusing us. And I'm just saying, from the start, pray and ask God. Just stop what you're doing. Just like Nehemiah, pray and say, God, what am I supposed to do here? And then if the Spirit of God tells you to give them everything in your wallet, you give them everything in your wallet. No questions asked. If the Spirit of God tells them to go, tells you to go buy food, you go buy food for them. But you listen to the Spirit of God and you don't respond if the Spirit of God doesn't tell you to respond. You walk away. Jesus, Son of God, all power and authority, did not heal every person he came in contact with. Neither can you. God has a plan and wants you to respond according to what his desire is. So ask the Spirit of God, pray, okay? Now, so Nehemiah, his first response, and how how many times is that your first response? But in this building, people, first response is pray. Fasting, fasting is something that, you know, you're like, why would he fast? Well, he basically denied himself things so it took all the distractions away. There are times in your life when you need to make big decisions, when you need to quit asking social media, you need to quit asking everybody in your life, what should I do, what should I do? You may need to shut off the phone. You may need to shut off everything and just for day after day after day, just pray and say, God, what am I supposed to do? Quit taking polls of people. Quit just trying to get somebody to tell you what you want to hear. Just shut it all off. That's what fasting is. Fasting can be food. I'm like, I'm not going to eat. You know what happens when you don't eat for day after day? Things get real serious. I mean, you're listening real hard because you're fasting for a purpose. You're fasting to hear God. I want to hear him. And so you're like, day three, I've done this. Day three, day four, it's like, Lord, speak now, please. I'm dying here. I need to eat. But these are things that are lost on us now. We don't. We don't. We don't just shut it off to hear from him. Nehemiah fasted and prayed. And in chapter two, if you flip over there, you're going to realize. And I'm if in the fairness of time. I'm going to. I'm going to summarize it for you. In chapter two, Nehemiah goes before the king. And one of the things I want you to realize is that Nehemiah wasn't a guy who just said it's okay to. I'm, I, Oh, bless your heart, I, you're, you're in a bad way, people. I feel bad for you, I'm gonna pray for you. You know how you do? You, know, you run into people that are struggling in need and you're like, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you, and then you never pray for them, or maybe you do. But one of the things that happens in this story is that Nehemiah, for Nehemiah, it's not just enough to just pray for him. Nehemiah, God stirred such a passion in him that he's like, I have to do something, I have to respond. So Nehemiah goes before the king and asked the king, and it, he could have been killed for this. He asked the king, he, he, he showed himself sad in front of the king, and the king said, Why are you sad? I've never seen you sad before. And he said, I, Why shouldn't I be sad? My people are in trouble and disgrace, they're lying in ruins. And so the king says, Well, what do you want to do? And Nehemiah said, I want to leave and go to my, my hometown, and I want to help rebuild the wall. And so fast forward, the king allows him to do so. King allows him to leave his post. And Nehemiah, now keep in mind, this is an intriguing fact in this. We know nothing about Nehemiah. We know Nehemiah, other than the fact that he's a cupbearer. We don't, Nehemiah asked the king to go take on one of the largest construction projects known to man, Building, rebuilding a wall with people. We don't know that he has any construction experience. We don't know that he has anything like that. We don't know that he has any experience in leadership. He's a one-man band. It's not like he's leading a team of people. Nehemiah goes, I want to go help rebuild this wall. I want to lead the charge. And so he does that. Why do I say that to you? Why is that important? Because so many of you don't respond when you see things that need to be done because you're like, I'm not. I, I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have what I need. I I don't have those things. It's like we've got people that are. We always need people to help in Kids Quest. You know what? People say I can't do that. You know why I can't do that? Because I don't know enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know. I'm no Bible teacher. I'm no. I didn't go to seminary. I'm not. I couldn't do that. You know what? Nehemiah is not a construction guy either. But God said stirred up this passion in him. He's like. I'm gonna go do it. So, for your life, for 2017, when you're looking at your life and, and, and going, God, build my life into something, when God stirs up passion in you, you don't have to sit here and go, I don't have the specific skill or training. God wants a willing heart, a willing heart. When we adopted five Spanish-speaking kids that I didn't know how to speak Spanish, I didn't have specific skills or training. I had a willing heart. And and God has made a way. And I can tell you, time and time again, my wife and I go, we are not qualified for this. I don't even know. I I hear them talking sometimes, and I'm like, ah. Fortunately, they all know English now, but I'm like, when they break off into Spanish, I'm like, I have no idea they could be plotting against me. I don't even know. Um, But in all that, again, Nehemiah is like, God, i, I got to go do something about this. And God made a way for him, just like he will for you. So when God moves and stirs in you, you have to do something about it. Nehemiah left comfort and privilege, much like Jesus left the palace, to go live an uncomfortable life in hostile territory. Why? Because he couldn't stand to see people in trouble and disgrace. He went to help redeem and restore then Nehemiah, when he gets there, he goes and he walks around and he surveys the fields. He looks around and he goes, man, the, the wall's broken down and shambles here. The gates are burned, all this. And he kind of looks at everything and creates a plan. Okay, and then what ends up happening is the story keeps going. And in chapter 3, the wall is underway. And in chapter 3, if you keep reading, it tells all the people that helped build the wall, all the families Why is it that you sit here and read a whole chapter of people that are thousands of years in the past and we read about them helping build this gate or helping make repairs on this or helping make do this or whatever? Why is that? Why is that in the Bible? Why would God put all of that in chapter three, a whole chapter of the Bible? Why would he put that there? Names that we don't know, people we don't know, people we don't recognize. You could read all the names and you're like, I have no idea who any of them were. But God put them all down there. Why is that? Because it mattered. Because every one of those people answered the call with a willing heart to go build, to redeem and restore, because it mattered. And God showed for us that what we do matters. And when we're a part of building people like he's asked us to do, he keeps track of that because it matters. It's eternal value. It's redeem, restore. It matters. It mattered enough that we could read those names all these thousands of years later. So just quickly, what are you a part of in the building process? When you look at people, what are you a part of? in the building process? Are you, are you a part of anything in the building process? Or what are you building? Because so much of us, you know, one of the things that is striking about this story is that Nehemiah, they were all working on building the wall. But really the whole thing, what was happening is God was building people. The wall was just the work. God was building his people shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm. He was redeeming and restoring his people that were in trouble and disgrace. The wall was just the effort, the work. The work, the wall was really insignificant in light of the whole story. It was him restoring and redeeming his people and building confidence back in them and letting them know that he was with them and that he was protecting them And that he had favor on them. So, why do I say all that to you? Because where you are is by design. Where you work is by design. Where you go to school is by design. The builder, God, the master builder, does not waste anything. So in your life, where you're at, it's by design. So now you look at it and you're like, okay, so in this building process, I want to go build people. I want to go build people. I, I have a business. We mow yards. I've got lots of those guys in the room. We mow yards, we dig holes. Some of my guys have had the glamorous work of digging holes nonstop, day after day after day, holes in hard ground, clay, rock, everything. It's not about the landscape. It's about the relationship. It's about side-by-side working towards something and having conversations with people about life and about where they're at and about why they keep struggling with the same things. It's about going to lunch with people and going, man, what can I do to help you? It's about reaching out to people. It's about having poker parties at your house. It's about sitting down and having people come over and spend time with you, my kid on it. It's about actually caring enough to get involved, to get messy. To reach out to people. You know, one of my guys at work last night, I I still kind of kick myself, and I don't see him. He wanted to work all night. Wanted to work all night. Worked all day yesterday. Wanted to work all night. Why? Because he was afraid of what he might do. Bored. It's got lots of demons that come chasing him. You know, last night he's like, man, is there anything I do? Can I work? Can I work tonight? You know, I I just don't want to be, I don't want to be home. I don't want to be alone. I don't, you know, whatever. And you know what? I should have invited him over, and I didn't. My fault. I don't want you to miss those moments. That's what this is all about it's why we're here it's why we're in this room it's why we're here because we're supposed to be like our our heavenly father be about redeeming and restoring we are the bible says we're his co-workers that we are his co-workers that's what we're supposed to be doing is helping rebuild and restore not worried about just what We can do for ourselves, but looking at the people around us that we work with, that we go to school with, and helping rebuild and restore. That's why we're here. It's like that story I told at the beginning. You know what? All those lights flipped on, but the light never came. And you got people all around you that have been crying out, but the light never came. So, Jesus, in this famous part of and that you may have heard, Peter denied. Jesus was, uh, Peter was one of Peter's uh, Jesus' disciples. And Peter denied Christ three times and was just in agony because he made the biggest flub up that you could. I mean, he denied Jesus Christ. He said, I, no, I don't know him. Don't know him. Even after he had walked with him all this time. And Peter is just in a terrible spot. And Jesus comes up to him and says, he sees him, and and Peter's so anxious to see him because he wants to make it right. And Jesus said to him, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Looks at Peter again, he goes, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, Lord, I love you. I love you. Then go take care of my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Three times Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? And it wasn't enough to just say, I love you. It was, then go do this. Then go do this. Because if you love me, then you'll do what I want, that I do. If you love me, and you think I'm the one that you need to follow, then it stands to reason you're gonna go do those things that I do. And Jesus' whole life was about redeeming and restoring people Building people. How much of your life is about building, restoring, and redeeming people? Because if you love him, like you say you do, then that's what our life should look like. At work, at school, at home. Go build people. It's what God wants. It's what God expects And it's what gets written down. And it's what happens when all else burns. Those are the things that will always be remembered. The Bible says in the end, all of this, all the buildings, all the houses, all the wood floors, all everything that we do, that we try to build up for our lives, all the money in the bank, all the paper, all the coins, it all burns. It's all going to burn. Only the eternal things remain. And the eternal things are what God wrote down and said, they, this they stepped in and weren't afraid to get involved and weren't afraid to be in the mess. And they stepped in and they helped rebuild and restore and redeem that. You have know, all kinds of opportunities. The Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Because the priest and the Levite and the church member and the churchgoer they're all too busy with the wrong stuff. So, in this fixer upper of your life, as you rebuild and, and be a part of building people for this year, 2017, it's demo day. Figure out what needs to go. Pray, fast, ask God what, what, what in me needs to be removed? What needs to go? Because I'm too busy. I'm too distracted, so what needs to go so that your Lord and Savior who came down to rescue, rebuild, and restore can build you back up again, this fixer-upper of a life that you've made. So for 2017, ask God. Don't ask other people first, ask God. And whatever stirs up in you, whatever passion God stirs up in you, and if don't be lame and go, well, God didn't stir up any passion in me or whatever. You know what? If God didn't stir up passion in you to help restore and redeem people, then you're broken right now. Okay? I don't care if you, like, go, I, 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 like I said at the beginning of the story, you ask God, do I need to help every beggar on the street? But the reality is there's somebody in your life that God's like, I need you to be salt and light. I need the light to come and not, get, not worry about getting messy. I don't need you passing on the other side. I need you to come and be my hands and feet and help build people because it's what matters to God and that should matter to you. So pray and ask God fast, put away the distractions, what needs to go, and then, God, build my life back up again. There are countless things that we do at this church to help build people. Mercy ministry is one of the most powerful things that we do in this church. You know why? Because we take people in their broken down, messiest state, half beaten, half naked, half dead of a life, and we help rebuild and restore it. We walk with them. We don't just give them a roadmap plan and say, here you go. Here you go. This is the way, this is the way out of your mess. No, we, there, there are so many. It's not just Megan. There's, she's got a team of people. She's got people that help walk with these people every day. You could be one of them. You could be one of those people that helps walk with somebody that's in a mess, that helps just sit there and listen to them talk about the mess they're in. And you can help them, just by loving on them. Not by all your gifts and skills, remember? Nehemiah didn't have them. God gave him what he needed. God wants a willing heart. So Mercy is one of them. Mission trip, we're going to Peru in June. June 3rd through the 11th. Rob here, Rob and Brenda, if you want to go, you see that video we saw of those kids in that orphanage getting gifts, and you see the excitement and the enthusiasm. We have had a longstanding partnership with Jim and Tony K., They are of us. That's your chance. You could go on that mission trip. It'll be one of the most transforming things you've ever done in your life. If you want to go, we have room. Talk to Rob and Brenda. Talk to them. And if you go, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford it, God will make a way. I don't want to hear your excuses. Excuses. Be bold. Step out. Step out. Step out in something bigger than yourself. What are you a part of that's bigger than yourself? Step out and go, God, you know what? I can't do this on my own. And he's like, hallelujah, you're finally right where I want you. You can't do it on your own. Praise the Lord. That's what he wants. So if you want to do that, don't, don't make excuses. Come talk to Rob. He's in this red Chiefs hat and shirt. can't miss him. There's all kinds of ways to get involved in this church, in the process of building and restoring people. You just need to be willing and say, God, I'm I'm in. I'm in. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your example. Thank you so much for your... Your heart, to, and your, your heart to rescue and redeem and restore our lives. God, I'm sorry for the mess that I've made. I'm sorry for the mess we've made. God, I'm sorry that we've just been consumed with ourselves and, and have missed so many opportunities that you put right in front of our face. God, I pray that you would help build and, and, and build this thing that we look at in our lives and go, I cannot believe how that turned out. God I pray that we wouldn't sit here like a child kicking and screaming saying, "I don't want to go. I don't want to go." God I pray that we would just be willing to trust our dad. To trust our Father in heaven who's perfect and who knows the way and has all the resource. Has everything that we need. No obstacles can stand in front of you. And God I pray that you would just be pleased to use this group of people, this room full of people, be pleased to use them in power. It says in your word that the kingdom of God does not consist as a matter of talk, but in power. God, help us not to be people of talk. Help us to be people of power. Power that comes from you. God, help us to be people of action, not just words. Help us to have your heart when you looked at the people, you said you had compassion on them because they were helpless and harassed, like sheep without a shepherd. God, I pray that that would be our heart, that when we look at the people, we wouldn't see stupid idiots, we would see helpless and harassed, and that we would just, in a response that only you could make happen, that we'd just say, yes, Lord. I'm willing. Yes, Lord, I'm in. God, I pray that you would bless our willingness and that you would make a way. And God, I pray that you would remove any excuses. Help us be bold. Help us to be brave and help us to walk in your ways and nothing less than that. God, help us to quit settling for less. We love you and pray in your name. Amen.